Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, the filmmaker's collaborative podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. Joining me on this installment of Making Media Now is writer-director Nicole Beckwith. Nicole's latest film, the second feature that she's both written and directed, is called Together Together. The film premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January and stars Ed Helms as Matt, a 45-year-old single man whose desire to become a father leads him to hire young Anna, played by Patty Harrison, as a gestational surrogate. Here's the trailer. Sorry, I'm just... I am a little nervous. I've thought a lot more about being a dad than I've thought about um, making conversation with the person carrying my baby. Right, well, I'm nervous too. To my sperm, to the donor's egg, and to your uterus. Cheers. Cheers. Mom, Dad, have some exciting news. I'm pregnant. I mean, the surrogate is pregnant. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm Matt. I just don't have anyone that I really need to share the news with. Does that bother you, Matt? Hey, sorry. Hey, man. Bryce? So did you guys just do it, or? Matt! Oh, who is this guy? You can't do that. Who says who? Are you like her no. uncle or something? No, I'm not her uncle, I'm the father. Oh my god, you're her father? No, I'm not her dad. What do you think? It is more than fine to have sex when you're pregnant. But like, my baby is in there absorbing ejaculate. I use protection. Why are you doing this alone? Because I am alone. I'm in this chapter of my life that feels like it should be over, but it's not. It's just on a loop. It's weird to be perceived as hopeless in this moment when I'm actually incredibly hopeful. Why are you alone? I don't think being alone is a bad thing. So are you going to have the baby shower? <laughs> I just want to say thank you for doing this with me, and I also apologize for everyone I know. Is that what this is like? Like donating an organ? I don't know. I've never donated an organ before. We should have better boundaries. Are we friends? Aren't we? I think that if we are, in order for this to work, we shouldn't be. I'd like to start class with a cleansing breath. Sometimes people just connect. It's not about being attracted to one another. So how many friends in their 20s do you have? I don't know. At some point, you will give birth to a child, and then what happens? Just because you're not like together together doesn't mean that you haven't created a bond. But I'm really worried that you're probably making a little straight white guy in there. That's the whole plan. I'm gonna... Oh, I just, I just gave him a podcast. <sighs> Together Together explores the platonic relationship between two strangers who are brought together through an intimate experience and need to explore parts of their own lives through each other. The film is currently available through Video On Demand, on Amazon Prime, and iTunes. Nicole Beckwith spoke to me from her home in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, 
Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. It goes a long way toward helping the podcast get attention and exposure. And now on to my conversation with Nicole Beckwith. Hello, Nicole Beckwith, and welcome to Making Media Now. Hello, thank you for having me. It is, uh, it's great to be speaking with you. We're speaking to you primarily about your latest film called Together Together. Uh, it is your second feature, uh, wherein you are both the writer and director, the first one being called Stockholm PA. Uh, but Together Together stars uh, Ed Helms, who I'm sure a lot of listeners are familiar with from The Office and from the Hangover movies, among others. Uh, just a, a brilliant comedic actor. Uh, but tell us about the um, the synopsis, if you would, of Together Together and, you know, maybe the, uh, the rest of the cast um, who's involved. The movie is about um, a single middle-aged man who uh, hires a surrogate to become a father. Um, The surrogate is played by Patty Harrison. And the story is just from their first meeting until the baby is born and tracks the strange intimacy of their relationship as strangers as they um, kind of connect and discover each other and their relationship ends up kind of challenging their ideas of love and permanence and um, yeah, what it means to connect with people. And the the film debuted at the uh, 2021 Sundance Film Festival back in January. And how did you uh, come about casting the people that you did cast? Did, did you when you were writing the movie, did you have particular actors in mind? I do love writing for actors specifically when I can. Um, but in this instance, uh, I did not write with Ed or Patty in mind. They came to the project later. Um, but so many people ask if I wrote the film for them. I think it's really a testament to their uh, chemistry and their performances. Yep. So um, I always like when people ask if I had written it for them. Yeah, I also, the other cast members being Tig Notaro, Julio Torres, Sufi Bradshaw, Anna Conkle, um, uh, Evan Janikai, um, some really fantastic performers and brilliant comedians who joined the project. And again, everyone thinks I wrote everything specifically for the people in the in the part. So that feels really nice. Um, that must feel really nice. But also, I think it's probably a testament to your writing also that it could, you know, that it could be essentially made their own. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah. I mean, hopefully I think um, when actors connect with your writing, I mean, that's what it's all about for me um, is writing for actors, even if it's not specific. I started in theater um, here in Newburyport, Massachusetts um, in my youth. And that was my primary like love and focus for many years. And so I think all that time spent as an actor um, has made me the type of writer who writes for actors. Yes, you mentioned Newburyport, so I just want want to um, fill our listeners in on some um, really bit of serendipity. Making media now, as our listeners know, is presented by Filmmakers Collaborative, which is Boston-based. Although we have uh, members all over the country, and in fact, we have members 
internationally. I reside up in the Newburyport area also, and I happened to be looking at our local paper a few days ago, and I I saw an article uh, about Nicole and Together Together and how on July the 29th, uh, we're recording our conversation right now on uh, July the 25th, on July the 29th at a place called The Screening Room uh, in in Newburyport, Mass., which is a beautifully intimate single, you know, single screen uh, movie house. The film is going to be presented and there's going to be a Q&A with Nicole. Uh, Nicole just informed me that she thinks it may be sold out already. But uh, anybody who's hearing this podcast uh, who's in the area and is interested, I think it's probably worth worth a shot to give a call to the screening room to see that to see if that isn't in fact the case. In any case, I read about the movie. I read about Nicole and I thought, wow, this would be a great kind of not just a uh, local angle. But, um, you know, what, what is it about humans that when they read about somebody in an area that they're geographically familiar with, they become more interested in their accomplishments? Do you ever get that? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think like no matter where you are when you're talking to people, if yeah. you mention um, a person or a celebrity or, or whatever that is from their hometown or from their home state, they'll always, I'll always know. I'm just like, oh, Massachusetts. Oh, they're from New England. Um, and it, I think it's just a shared, uh, you know, immediately there's a shared sensibility there. I know. That's interesting. We are, we're, we're amusing creatures. Um, so I, I want to talk about the specifics of this movie, but before we get to that, uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, your story, your journey, your um, this. As I said, this is the second feature that you both wrote and directed. How did you get to uh, that position where you know you were able to get your own films made, essentially? Well, I started working in theater. I think I did my first play when I was nine in Gloucester. And then we moved to math, uh, to Newburyport from Beverly and Newburyport just has so much theater going on. So I started taking classes at the actor's studio when it was in the O'Brien building. Um, and then it moved to the tannery. Um, and I took classes with them from like 12 to, uh, 18. And then, um, I was also an assistant teacher there from 14 until 19. And then at 19, I became one of the head teachers and then taught there until I was 25. So I was very involved in the, the like student acting scene here. And, um, also started doing, um, a lot of plays I did like Midsummer Night's Dream at the firehouse when I was just a tiny little non-speaking fairy and uh, <laughs> and I played the apothecary in a, in a production of um, Romeo and Juliet and um, my theater teacher at the time Paul Wan was working he did my like teenage scene study class and he's just a very life-changing teacher I was actually um, with him and his wife Bonnie Jean Wilbur who was also my teacher and my improv teacher um we're still very close but um he decided to direct a production of eric bogosian's suburbia Mm -hmm. and so we did that at the firehouse and that was a really life-changing role for me it was my first contemporary play it was my first leading role and working with paul as a director was really incredible and it just kind of opened me up to this new way of theater and so then 
I was doing that for years and working in Portsmouth at the Players Ring as well. And then um, Greg Moss, who um, is another Newburyport theater icon, if you will, who um, actually now runs the theater department at the University of New Mexico. Um, he and I kind of worked on this theater company together. He was the artistic director um, of Independent Submarine. I don't know what I was co-artistic director I don't really know but he would direct the plays and I would be in them and um we did a lot of crazy plays just kind of the stuff that was happening like off Broadway in New York that didn't usually make its way to places like Newburyport Mm -hmm. um crazy like Charles Bush plays Nikki Silver Chris Durain um and then Greg started writing um his own plays so I think the first one was you who and Hank Williams. And we started using the actor studio as a performance space, kind of creating a black box theater space um, in New Report as an option that wasn't as grand as the firehouse and not outdoors, like wonderful theater in the open. And then that opened up like just a lot of opportunity and growth of thought and um, just exploring new work. And then, and then Eric Bogosian, who had done <laughs> written the play um another I, massachusetts uh, native yes exactly Woburn, i believe mm-hmm. um i got word that he was doing a residency in florida for um young writers and young actors to workshop new work at the atlantic center for the arts in florida and so i applied and was accepted and then greg and paul and you know folks at the tannery and just basically like everyone around kind of came together to raise the money so that i could go i worked at ganesh imports an unpaid plug i love ganesh um (laughs) so i worked at ganesh and, and middle street foods for a very long time and i just didn't have the money to like fly to florida and stay for three weeks and take the time off work um and still pay my rent and like live and so um the theater community here did a fundraiser so i could go to the residency and I did. And then that residency changed my life. Um, where and afterwards, Eric, um, offered me a job, uh, being his assistant in New York city. I, I guess I was the only person who was accepted to the program who wasn't living in New York or LA. So he was really curious about what my whole deal was and why yeah. I wasn't in either of those places. And at first I didn't want to go, but then I was also working at a shoe store here. I had a lot of jobs, um, called Mary Jane's that used to be on Pleasant Street. And um, and then I was fired for not vacuuming one night. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I was just fired from a shoe. You are not, not Mary vacuuming. Jane's material. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so then my very first phone call after getting fired from Mary Jane's was to Eric. And I was like, I just got fired from a shoe store. What? I think that's called a fork in the road. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, why don't you just come and, and be my assistant? So So then I moved to New York and worked for Eric and New York was really tough um, in terms of, you know, I would go to auditions and I had more theater experience and performance experience than nearly anyone, but I didn't have a lot of audition experience. And also I didn't go to like Yale. And so I was sitting in these rooms with these people who had the same haircut as me and like (laughs) looked just like me, but had like a master's degree from Yale in acting. Um, And uh, and so then I started writing plays because that was kind of the new report sensibility. And also the Eric Bogosian sensibility is kind of like, if you're not getting the parts you want, if you're not doing 
if no one else is letting you into the work you want to be part of, start making that work. And that's what we had been doing in your report forever and how Eric got to where he was. Um, so I just kind of, you know, continued that. And I wrote a play with the idea that I would be in it with my friends. And, um, then partway through writing the play, I, I stopped thinking of it that way. And, and then I just kind of, um, I sent it out to a couple theaters and ended up doing a reading of it. And then they were like, well, what if we did it with like all these like famousy, fancy theater actors? And I was like, whoa, really? What? And so then <laughs> they did that. Some of whom were my friends. And, um, and then my life as a playwright kind of went from there. I got accepted to the young writers group, young blood at ensemble studio theater. And then from there was asked to join the public theaters, emerging writers group. Um, and then it was at the public theater where I wrote Stockholm, Pennsylvania, my third full length play at the time. I worked on that play for two years at the public. And then I got a phone call from the Sundance Institute that said, Hey, we read your play. Um, did you ever think about making it into a movie? And I was like, wow, yes, I actually have thought about making it into a movie. What a weird phone call to get. And, um, and so then I started the work of trying to figure out how to adapt a play into a screenplay. Yeah. So just, just for our, the benefit of our listeners, uh, share what the plot of Stockholm, Pennsylvania is, because it, it's quite intriguing. Uh, yes. Uh, so Stockholm, Pennsylvania is about a young woman who has returned to her biological parents 17 years after having been abducted. And um, she was raised in her abductor's basement. Um, and that's, and he has convinced her that the world outside is kind of in the midst of like an apocalyptic uh, decline and that the world she remembered as a little girl doesn't exist anymore. So um, it's very shocking. Anyway, she's discovered by the police and brought home to her family and the film kind of tracks the very difficult reunification process mm -hmm. her with her old um, identity and this old life that she um, doesn't remember at all and doesn't identify with. Meanwhile, like her parents who are finally receiving her um, have lived their entire lives in the shadow of her absence and, and hoping for this moment. So it's a, a very difficult time went out, I bought a screenplay book, how to write screenplays. Um, and then I was reading it and like all my notes in the margin were like, that's so dumb. This is so sad. It, Cause it's like very formulaic. And, and I was like, why am I still reading this book? If all my notes are frown faces in the margin. So then I was like, forget it. I'll just like try. And so then I just, I probably wrote thousands of pages trying to figure out, cause I would be on, suddenly I'd find I was on page a hundred of this screenplay and nothing had actually happened yet. Everyone was just eating sandwiches and having difficult conversations. And so um, it was a real trial and error process. And I only had three weeks to write it before Sundance was making their decisions about the, uh, the labs. Um, and so, yeah. And then I remember Googling, like once I had, once the screenplay was done, I like, I didn't really know what to do with a, with a screenplay. And I kind of knew, theater I'd spent my entire life in new report, you know, steeped in and had worked for years now in playwriting in New York. And I kind of knew where I fit in and the landscape and what I had to do and where I had to go and, and, you know, what I needed to work on, et cetera, et cetera. 
but I had no idea in the film world that was like a total mystery. So I Googled, what do you do with a screenplay? <laughs> and then the very first, um, the very first, uh, <laughs> you know, thing that popped up was this thing called the Nickel Fellowship. I think it was probably an ad, but it was the Nickel Fellowship, which is what the Academy does. It's like the Academy does the Oscars. They do the like college Oscars or student Oscars or something. And then they do this fellowship. It's like one of the main things that they do. So I was like, all right, I'll like submit it to the, to the nickel fellowship. Cause like, I don't know what else to do. And the main draw was that like, they really let you know every step of the way. There were like a lot of chapters of like, okay, you made it into like the semi quarterfinals. Now you made it into the quarterfinals. Now you're like a, a semi half finalist, a half final. Like there were lots of steps. And is so this all post Sundance? This is before going to the labs. Okay, great. Um, and so then I, if you made it to a certain level of the nickel, they sent you notes. And so that's really what I wanted is like, I just wanted to make it far enough to get the notes to kind of try to understand. And then I got this email that was like, okay, well, you're one of the like 10 finalists or something. And, um, and they chose like five winners or whatever. And I, then I was like, crazed. I was like, what the hell? Um, and then of course, you know, my whole thing is like, you apply for something and then you have to forget that you ever applied for it. And then when I got the phone call that I was one of the 10 finalists, of course, then I was like possessed and it was like all I wanted. Um, and then I was very lucky, um, to be one of the five finalists, uh, to be one of the five nickel fellows. So then I was a nickel fellow and that changed my whole life. And so, once the Stockholm, Pennsylvania script became a nickel script, everybody read it. And so then when everybody read it, it was so strange because like what I had wanted was to find out where I would fit in in the landscape of screenwriters. And then weirdly, it was just like, you're in. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Um, so that was very, I feel very, very, very lucky, very fortunate. Um, and I think it's also in part, I worked on the play for two years, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like, yes, I wrote the screenplay in three weeks, but the first draft of the screenplay in three weeks, but I, um, I, I spent two years working on the play. And so, how did you come to directing the film version of Stockholm PA? Well, I went on like what we, what we in the biz call a water bottle tour, um, in LA where you go around to a bunch of offices of producers and studios and everybody gives you a bottle of water and you sit down (laughs) and talk (laughs) on the water bottle tour, because then, um, amidst all this, I also, uh, I updated the script. I was continually working on the script. And so then the, like, the most recent draft of the Stockholm script then made it onto this thing called the blacklist, which is um, a list that studios and producers. I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. Big wigs submit their favorite scripts that they read that year that didn't get produced. Yeah. And then if you make it within a certain, if you get a certain number of votes, you make it onto this list. And so I amazingly Stockholm, Pennsylvania made it onto the blacklist. So then Um, so then it was a whole new water bottle tour, um, just like about this script specifically. And, you know, in theater, a playwright is like right there with the director, like full collaboration. You're almost, dare I say the head honcho, you're like, you're making the world happen and, um, workshopping a play and which you're always workshopping. Like, it's not just like, oh, we're going to put this play up. It's this whole 
process that's like incredible of discovery and change and making the play this like best thing. And you're working with this director and the cast and everything is so community based. And then it didn't take me very long to kind of ascertain that that's not at all the way that film works. And so I kind of figured out pretty quickly that screenwriters don't even go to set. Um, Screenwriters aren't a part of anything um, other than the script generally. I mean, I don't want to, you know, say that that's a hard and fast rule, but that's the norm is that they're not there. And so then of course I was like filled with panic and was like, Oh God, my baby, I can't just give this away. Like, you know, and the play hadn't even happened yet. So I hadn't ever experienced the work um, on its feet. And so then I was like, well, now I have to direct it. So then I decided I was going to direct it. So when the, so then the script was optioned and then we started meeting with cast and then I met with, um, Saoirse Ronan. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, uh, actress named. Oh, of course. Yes. I've seen several (laughs) things that she's in. I'm just kidding. We've all, we've all heard of Saoirse Ronan. Um, we all love Saoirse Ronan. She's a, she's an incredible genius. And so then I was the luckiest person on earth to meet Saoirse Ronan and, uh, really connect with her and, um, we fell in art love pretty quickly. And so she signed on to do Stockholm, Pennsylvania and play the lead character of Leia. And then from there, I got Cynthia Nixon to play her mother, David Warshawski to play her father, Jason Isaacs to play her abductor, mm-hmm. and Rosalind Chow to play her therapist. And so, hello, welcome to just like a cast of icons. And so that was like very, very lucky and such an incredible experience working with them. And, and I found that directing the film, I mean, when I walked on set for Stockholm, um, we filmed in Los Angeles for Pennsylvania. Um, I'd never been on a film set before, really. I'd had one line on a Law and Order episode, so I'd been on a set, but that was it. <laughs> and so then, um, you know, I just was very upfront about it in my like opening speech. Like, you know, everyone here has been on a set more than me. Everyone here has more experience. I'm really learning as I go. But the one thing I do really know is this world and these characters. So like, thank you for <laughs> trusting me or whatever. And also like, if I'm making your job harder, like tell me. Um, what did you find were the biggest differences between directing uh, for the stage versus directing a film? <laughs> Plot twist. I also had never directed for the stage. Ha-ha. Oh, um, <laughs> so I'd never directed anything. Um, so the comparison was relatively easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was, I, I learned to direct basically um, on set on the, on the film, but because it's, you know, so much of it is working with, you're just collaborating. And that's like all I'd been doing in new report. It's like, we were all kind of scrapping together, you know, all doing a bunch of jobs of trying to figure out how to make a set out of nothing and no money and how to do costumes. It's like, we were all just kind of showing up for each other and doing it. So the main, the main thing that you need as a film director, aside from the vision is communication. And, and so I had already lived a life of shared vision and like optimum communication. That's how I grew up in art. So I found it to be a very natural a very natural thing to step into. Thank God. I mean, it was also nerve wracking and I wasn't, I wasn't sure, but you know, you're working with your production designer, your costume designer, your cinematographer and your mm-hmm. gaffers. And it's all just, just communication and, and collaborating and sharing and trying to, um, trying to empower everyone to do their best 
work. And then also with the actors, so much of it obviously is just communicating with the actors about character and feeling. And that was very natural to me um, because I had taught theater for so long and worked with kids for so long and, and then been an actor and been directed by incredible people like Paul and like Bonnie Jean and Greg. And so it was just kind of a strange, like, you know, alternate universe manifestation of that, where instead of doing it for a big, for a big, you know, theater or trying to get to the the back of the room, the camera is right there and can be anywhere I want. So what was really cool also about that is like, um, I could, I could get right into like when I'm writing and I'm kind of seeing something unfold, I am really very like up in the character's face, you know, Mm -hmm, very close. I'm just kind of, I'm almost experiencing it as though it's like a memory of mine. Um, and so then when you're working in film, you can, you can be that close. And so that was like the biggest difference. I mean, it's very funny. Like I remember when I was first in New York auditioning, I got this cool audition for a pilot, um, episode of this new TV show. And I was so excited and the pilot was so funny and I got called in and I forget, I think, um, Unfortunately, I don't think the show ever made it to light, but Parker Posey was the, was the lead character. And I was coming into audition to be her sister. And I was like, that's incredible. But I'd never auditioned for screen before. And so when I got in there, I was, um, I was just sitting in a room with like two other people. And then this camera really close to me. And, but I was delivering my lines like Greece. I've never been to Greece. Like I was very, (laughs) and they're like, you were enunciating to the back of the room. Yes. I was playing, I was playing to the back of the house and, um, and, uh, it didn't work. So, um, <laughs> so that was a uh, yeah, harsh learning curve. Another thing that new report really prepared me for was working fast and furious. You know, we didn't have a ton of resources. So, um, we shot Stockholm, Pennsylvania in 18 days and, um, moving very fast and furious and just, yeah, all about trust and, and connection and, I had an amazing time. I like was looking for, I was looking for some contract or something. And I came across an email from, from back then I was like 2014 or 15. Mm-hmm. And I had said to someone like, I've never felt, you know, I've not, I, I haven't felt this myself in years. Like I'm the happiest I've ever been, you know, whatever, like be, making something like that on that scale. It was really. Lovely. And then how did the, how did the idea of together together come to you? And, and again, as a reminder to our listeners, the plot concerns, uh, 45-year-old Matt, who's played by Ed Helms, who uh, is hearing the ticking of his biological clock. Uh, so he decides to enlist um, uh, a woman named uh, Annie. Um, I believe that's her name. Is that the character's name? Yeah. Anna. Yeah. Yes. Played by Perry Harrison. I'm sorry. Patty. Uh, yep. Patty Harrison to um, to be a gestational surrogate for him. So in the realm of writing what you know, are you adhering to that dictum? Well, uh, you know, I've never been abducted. And never <laughs> yeah, been exactly. um, but I think like there's I think when you say write what you know, we're not just talking about, you know, what's happened to you. Sure. And the very literal things. And so there was a lot of stuff in Stockholm, Pennsylvania, emotionally that I knew, but also um, and same with Together Together. But I also think like I only ever write out of curiosity. I never write to tell anyone anything. I'm only ever writing to ask things of myself and to to wonder aloud to the world. So. um, So you're kind of saying to yourself, uh, I wonder what this situation would 
would produce if if a person yeah, had what would through, it be like yeah what yeah. would it be like for two total strangers to come together under these incredibly intimate circumstances um literally like the life side of life and death stakes and um and to endeavor on something that was so integral um to their individual futures moving forward um and something that they undeniably had to do together in the moment so that's kind of what i, I was just curious what would that be like um and so and and i had no idea and then so then i just start writing um i don't outline or anything i just i wonder something and then i think on it for a while and then i sit down and start uh writing scenes and i kind of feel like a stenographer when i'm writing like i'm in the room with the characters and they're just talking doing their thing and i'm just taking it down and at but that point are you writing how, like how granular are you getting around say the story versus writing dialogue versus kind of creating character or does does that change with every experience um i mean i think of my brain a little bit as a I always say like it's a rock tumbler and like I have all these rocks in there, <laughs> these idea rocks, and you just kind of carry them around and they're tumbling around for years. Sometimes I think like the very first time I thought of this question, I asked myself, like, I wonder what this would be like was 2008 and I hadn't even written a play yet. So I wrote my first play later in 2008 and I didn't even think about writing movies, but I just was wondering what would that be? And so then, you know, it's popping around your subconscious and your conscious sometimes and you're just kind of carrying it around with you. And then one day it's shiny enough to come out and then you're like, oh, hey, look at this rock. And so you take it out and then, you know, and then you put on your stenographer hat and just go for it. So I think it's all like very connected. Like to me, character is story. Like they're not separate. Um, mm -hmm. And I think like both of my films are, are, relationship explorations, intimacy explorations. And, and the majority of the action is conversation. It is, um, small moments between two people. I don't have any car chases or natural disasters or, um, aliens landing, not yet anyway. And yeah. so, <laughs> you know, the people are, the, the whole story is just character on character. What do you see as being, um, kind of the biggest differences in terms of, um, skill set demands that uh, that you have to bring forth as a writer versus a director? As a writer, you're just in your, I mean, again, there's some people I think who write and feel like a puppet master, or feel like the God of that universe or something. I don't, I feel I'm a very um, passive observer um, <laughs> in my, in my writing world. I kind of just want the characters to do their thing. If I'm lucky enough, for a character to come to me, I feel like it is my responsibility to let them drive the journey. Mm -hmm. um, but writing is a very quiet process, a very private process, and you don't have to answer to anyone um, other than other than your characters. And then directing is quite the opposite. Um, and even just to get to the point where you are directing something like trying to find funding for a project is just constantly writing about the project, yep. writing about yourself, talking about the project, talking about yourself, communication, communication. And then if you're lucky enough to get the funding um, and it took five years or took about five years for us to get the funding for together, together to get that funding to, for together, together, together. Exactly. Exactly. 
you know, then once you're on set or once you're bringing in, um, you're in pre-production, you're bringing in, then it's quite the opposite. There's nothing private, no privacy, nothing, nothing quiet about it. So that's the biggest shift is that everything internal is made external. And that's the job. It's like, you have to take everything that you've been carrying around in your heart and mind and externalize it in a way that it can belong to not just you anymore. It has to belong to everyone. Everyone needs to be as connected to the idea, to the story, to the characters as you are. They need to see themselves in the, in the story and in the way that you're bringing the story to them. And they have to have agency within that story and the bringing that story to life just as much as you or anything. So it is the exact opposite of the writing process. Did Nicole, the director ever feel frustrated with Nicole, the writer or, or vice versa? Yeah. Nicole, the director is not really Nicole, the writer's favorite person. It's like, why is there so much dialogue? Why do we have to shoot all these pages in one day? Um, you know, this is so, this is so wordy. And then, uh, and then when I get into the editing room, editor, Nicole, uh, which I'm not actually editing, I'm working with an editor. I could never, yeah. Anyway, that's a a really intense skill set. but so I'm working with an editor, for instance, um, on, Stockholm, Pennsylvania, that was the incredible Joe Klotz and um, on Together Together, the incredible Annette Davey. And um, editor Nicole, editing room Nicole, hates, a lot of times hates director Nicole. You know, why don't we have a take like this? Why didn't you get a shot of this? Um, Oh, if you want to cut something out of a scene, you want to cut part of a scene out, you still need to be able to bridge that gap. Oh, we don't have anything to bridge that gap. I'm so frustrated. Um, so yeah, director, Nicole, not a huge fan of writer, Nicole, editing room, Nicole, often frustrated <laughs> with director, Nicole, um, but writer, Nicole is in the editing room too. So yeah, she helps kind of mediate and smooth everything out. Cause that's a crowded editing. room. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> so you, it's you, a process. you, you come out of Sundance in January of this year and you, you, you have a, um, you have a distributor. Tell us what happens, you know, when you come out of such a highly thought of festival like Sundance and and the film, uh, you know, has the has the necessary buzz and the interest and the distributor is interested. Tell us what happens between that and when it's actually, uh, you know, playing in theaters for people to see. Oh, my gosh, it's so much work. Um, I mean, movies are just so much work. You really have to be like an, an obsessed you have to be obsessed. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, um, it has to, it has to become kind of a compulsion almost to keep going. Um, I don't know how we do it. There's always a point in, I always say always I've made two movies. There's all in my long illustrious career of hundred percent of the time, a hundred percent of the time. Um, no exceptions. There's always a point where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm never, I, I don't, why, why am I doing this? This is so hard. And then, and then you get to the end, right. Where it's in, it's in theaters or it's playing or people are connecting with it. And then you're like, Oh, wow, that was amazing. And then some time passes and you forget, and then you start all over again. (laughs) So the um, Bleecker street uh, films came on to distribute the film um, in North America. And then Sony uh, is doing the international distribution right now, actually. And it's a whole thing. Then you have to get to know each other, vibe with each other. It's a whole other thing of communication, 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 um, and bringing them into the story and into your thoughts and feelings about it so that you can market the film and do press and just kind of, then you're 
so yeah, it's just a lot, like even like making a poster, making a trailer, it's like highly detailed work. And I, I don't know. It's a mystery. My producing partner, Anthony Brandonicio, who I worked um, on both films with would uh, be better at probably answering that question. But I just know that I was talking with like a lot of people just about how best to talk about the film, how best to visually represent it, um, you know, music, la la la. It never stops. It's a lot of work for everybody. I don't oh, think there's uh, anyone that just comes in and they're like, bloop and press a button and then it's, <laughs> and then it's done. Unless you're pressing just play. That's what your job is. Press play. How much of a role, if any, does geography play in allowing you to get into the headspace that you want to be in either as a writer or director or in this capacity as being, you know, this sort of Uber project manager in terms of, you know, the, uh, the distribution of the film and the, uh, shepherding the film into the world. Is there, are you in a different mindset when you're on the, when you're on the West coast, as opposed to, you know, when you're kind of back home in, uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts? It's funny. Well, it's also been funny because it's the quarantine year, right? It's like, uh, Oh yeah. That pandemic, the pandemic. That's yeah. Keep forgetting um, about that global pandemic. Yeah. So, uh, partway through the edit, that all kind of came to a head. And so I started working from home remotely with the editor in February. And then I was in Los Angeles at the time. And then we were in lockdown on March 13th. And so the only time I really left my apartment in LA was to go to color a couple of times and go to sound a couple of times after many COVID tests under many masks and shields. Yeah doused in hand sanitizer and incredibly nervous about it. Um, cause I, I was not, I was not someone being lax about that stuff. As soon as we went into lockdown, I was like, guys, I think we're all going to have a couple birthdays under these circumstances. And everyone thought I was like overreacting, but ha, yeah. I was not overreacting. Mm-hmm. But so, <laughs> so it's been really interesting because it's almost like, um, you know, the distribution of the film, the film coming out, it came out in April nationwide. If I'm not, if I wasn't, and then here I am, and I came to New Report in November. Uh, if, so if I'm looking at my phone, then yeah, I wrote and directed a movie. It's all over the internet. People are tagging me and things and talking me about it all the time. All the time. I turn my phone off, and then I'm just in New Report riding my bike. I uh, volunteer at a couple farms, helping out with animals. I hang out with my little sister. I got a couple cats, and that's all that's going on. So it's a real stark shift. Um, I'm not you know, in LA, everybody kind of is working in the business. So when you're running into people on the street or parties, everybody knows what everybody's working on. And then it's like, what are you working on next? And what's this? And it's kind of like your, that's your context kind of sure. um, And new report. It's like crickets. No, I'm just, I'm Nicole. I was in a bunch of plays. I used to work at Ganesh. I used to work at middle street. Uh, I moved away at some point. That's my context. That's kind of what's going on over here. Um, and I have been recognized for plays. <laughs> I called in an order. I ordered a book at the Jabberwocky and they were like, Oh yeah, I remember your name from, uh, from, you know, theater around town. It's like, yeah, that's me. And that is me. So it, it's nice to be back. It's really nice to be grounded. And in, in that, I think like, I've never written a film script in Los Angeles. Um, I've written all my film scripts. It, the both film scripts were written in New York. Um, I've mm-hmm. written television scripts uh, in LA and in New Report, actually. And I've written play scripts in New Report and not LA. I don't know. It must affect it, definitely. Um, yeah. I've been getting a ton of writing done here. And I think that that's 
largely in part because I am so connected to the core, uh, Nicole, that like foundation, that first, the first level that was laid out, the, the, <laughs> the play, the, the little actor, Nicole, I love, you know, I walk by Ganesh every day. I, I go to middle street foods all the time. I'm very deeply connected to the, uh, original Nicole. Sure. Yeah. You know? And I yeah. think that that's really, really very nice. And I do, I love it here. And so it's been a fruitful time. Um, just emotionally and creatively. Do you know, or uh, do you do you have a sense of uh, what your next project might be? I have some irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I have some TV things that are uh, in the mix. Nothing I can talk about quite sure. yet. The yeah. ink is not dry. Got it. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to jinx anything. But in terms of film. When I write something, I did this with Stockholm and with Together Together, I start writing the script and then that is what I work on. So I'm on the script. And then once the script is done, all my energy goes towards trying to get it funded. And then after that, all of my energy goes towards making it. Mm -hmm. And then I don't exhale. Uh, And I've been lucky that both of my films have premiered at Sundance. And both times that's after Sundance is when I exhale. <laughs> could you I ever see yourself? <laughs> could you ever see yourself directing something you did not write? Um, you know, I never say never. Uh, mm-hmm. People have been sending me scripts. I just haven't connected with anything quite yet. Um, so, you know, I get sent things that, you know, I'll like or think it's funny, but I'll also be like, oh, I would change this, this and this. And yeah. as a writer, I'm also just very protective of, um, of the writer's experience. Like, am I the right director to be working on this particular script or is my taste and sensibility going to kind of, um, edge out the, the things that make the script reflective of that, that person's voice, the writer's voice. And I would never want to do that because I would be devastated, um, if that were to happen to one of my scripts. So I'm a very, uh, just like I'm a very actor sensitive writer and director, I'm a very writer sensitive. Uh, yeah. I'm very sen- writer sensitive director. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that that level of empathy across among actors and writers uh, is very much appreciated when, when folks are collaborating with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, when I was finding out that uh, writers weren't typically on set or something, I was like, he gets what? That's so weird to me. And so I would never, as a director, I would never want to edge a writer out of that process because I think it's weird and I can't only think it's weird for me. That doesn't make any sense. So um, it's weird, you know, for everyone. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, People will still send me things and I'll hopefully, and I'll read them and we'll, we'll see what happens. But um yeah, mostly I'm just, you know, I'm writing a couple TV things and coming up with some new ideas and I'm kind of rolling the tumbler. The rock tumbler doesn't have any really shiny things. Like there's a couple things that are pretty shiny yeah. and I'm just trying to figure out which one's going to pop. First. Sifting for gold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so together, together, uh, as I said at the top of the show, 
um, is, is going to be screened on the 29th of July, uh, north of about 40 miles north of Boston in a beautiful little town called Newberry Port. Um, what is the, how is it being rolled out? Will it eventually be on video on demand, um, streaming oh, services? It is already. It, it is was, already. Okay. It was released nationwide on April 23rd. We were on over 600 screens across the country and that went on for a while. And then we, um, simultaneously like we had an overlap may 5th we came out on video on demand i think it was the fifth and itunes and then we were at the top of the itunes charts were an editor's pick for rentals um so you can rent and buy i bought it that's how i got it I mean, that's also <laughs> another funny thing when, <laughs> it's like when you're a writer <laughs> when someone <laughs> wants to make your movie or whatever they're buying the rights to your movie and then they basically hire you as the director yeah. And then when the when the distributor gets it, they buy they buy the thing. And so yeah, I bought my movie off iTunes. Love it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you can too. Um, and I'm sure it's on you know other platforms. It's not streaming yet. I think it's on Fandango. I'm sure it's on Amazon, but I don't believe in Amazon. I don't have an Amazon account, so you know, I'm not saying that Apple is like Gandhi, but <laughs> yeah. Bezos seems. Like not my best friend. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, that is. I'm glad you. I'm. I'm glad you brought that to my attention because uh, I'm sure that particularly after this conversation, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in seeing the film. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. This has been great talking to you and to you. Thank you so much. So I've been speaking with Nicole Beckwith about her film, Together Together. It stars Ed Helms and Patty Harrison. Uh, Check it out, everybody. She is the writer and the director. And um, thanks again. Thank you. 